and I believe it with all my heart. I'm going to talk to you today, today about something I feel is very important in this season. And I didn't give this one scripture. I gave the rest Emma, about Luke 6 and 38. Luke 6 and 38. If you can turn in your Bibles with me to Luke 6 and 38. Let me say to you real fast, if you've been here a few weeks, you've been here a couple of times, you've been here three, four months, let me just tell you from the church that's been here for many, many years, this is your church. We welcome you, and we are so glad that you come to be a part of what's happening here. Amen. Luke 6 and 38. says give and it will be given to you good measure pressed down shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use it it will, will be measured back to you I'm going to go on a little farther we don't have to have this on the screen if you, if you can't get there and he spoke the parable to them can blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? says a word emphatically here, hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. We love the first part. We love the first part. But the second part kind of brings it all home a little bit. You're like, man, that got a little uncomfortable. I'm going to preach to you on the simple topic of the gift you need to give. The gift you need to give. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your people. We thank you for the ability to come together and look at your word with your people. I pray you touch every heart, every mind, and I'm asking you to move in this place and challenge us today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Amen. The reality is, is that oftentimes this scripture is used, and I don't want to take it away, nor do I want to contradict anything that anybody has done at any point in any service you've ever been in, because I do believe there's a connotation here that we can take the principle, even though I look at this and don't see this fully as a total only financial type of scripture. It's not that. I believe there's a principle in this scripture that can go in many different areas of your life. And oftentimes we talk about specifics, but I, like myself, I truly enjoy understanding principles. Principles are bigger than specifics. Principles are an umbrella that you might live under. And you understand I live this life of principle. And the good news is when you live a life of principle, when you make a mistake, that life of principle will pull you back up and get you back on the track of principles. Amen? That's why giving should be a principle of your life. 
Giving is not just a thing on its own. Giving oftentimes falls under the spiritual disciplines of someone who truly wants to live for God, and that just lines up with the rest of the things. You pray, you read the Word, you give. You're being a, that's me saying, again, you've heard me say it, I'm going to let you finish it out. I'd rather do it God's way than my way. Amen. So principles are important. And we find that in this text, this very, this very statement that give and it will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it'll be measured back to you. The struggle is, is this time of season, this time of year, we oftentimes are, are, are hustling quickly to try to find uh, gifts to give. Um, it's, it's, I know that you're in the same thing. Some of you right now are maybe getting notifications from Amazon saying, hey, this is in your cart. And, and do, you want, or do you want to commit to this thing? You know, do you want to be a good mother and finally buy this thing you've been thinking about for a long time? Uh, there's lots of reminders these days. You thought about it, and now if you go search it out, all of a sudden now you're going to see every ad for that as you know how this works these days. If you said it out loud, let me give the kids a tip real fast. Go to your mom and dad's phone without it unlocked and say, I want this certain toy and name the toy. And guess what? It will pop up on their phone and remind them, take advantage of the creepy fact that they're listening all the time. Milwaukee tools. Um, anyways, <laughs> but I just want to throw that in real fast that, that um, just in case, was your phone closed? Okay. But... Um, there's reality is we're all looking constantly for what to give and, and how it should give. And the reality is also that there are some things you want to give. Now, I'm, I'm a little different than some because I try my best not to give. And we've talked about this probably before because it's just always on my mind this time of year. I don't want to give you what I like and I think you should like. I would rather give you something that I know you like and that I really truly look at and think, oh, I've. That, that They would love this. That works for them. I've been given gifts at times that did not make sense. I'm going to be very blunt today. About six years ago, my wife gave me five sets of pajamas. Do I look like the pajama-type wearing guy? I'm talking about flannel, head to toe. I'm talking about like sweet little kind words on the chest and like I'm going to come in and be like, hey, I got to go out and take out the trash. Looking like I'm coming from the North Pole. And I told her, I said, babe, it's not that hard to look at me and realize I'm not really a pajama type of guy. I wear sweats and an old t-shirt with paint on it or something. That's kind of my pajamas. All the men in the building that just don't want to get in trouble right now, just say Amen. Amen. Trying to make me some, become something I'm not. Uh, I'm going to need to ride home with somebody today. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. The problem is, though, oftentimes we give what we want to give, but we don't always give what we need to give. I'm going to talk to you something, about something today, and it's very, very important in this season, I believe, as much as any time, it's important for us to gather this, this principle, this idea, and be a part of what I think we must, must do. Because sometimes during this season, old hurts rise up. Old friction rises up. 
the stress of life produces things that create new, creates new friction and new struggles. Let me just tell you real fast, and here's the first thing, and then you're going to help me out. I've got some slides there. First thing I want you to get on this topic of a gift we ought to give is forgiveness is something we all need. Just leave those up as we go, but forgiveness is something that we all need. Romans 3.23, and we can follow along here, but Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Let me just help you understand right now that not anyone in this room, no one in this room is exempt from needing forgiveness in your life at some point. Some point, somehow, you've needed it. Some point, somehow, you've got, you've got to receive it. And, and what we must understand is that sin creates a, uh, it's, it's the simply the missing of the mark, if I can say it that way, the, the not quite getting it, not quite getting it right. And, and sometimes we label out big things as sins, but you don't realize that many days the small things that we, not, we know maybe aren't just right, we know we didn't, if I can say it this way, hit the mark, Oftentimes when we calculate those things in our spirit, we calculate those things in our, in our mind and our heart, we oftentimes find ourselves missing the mark and sin causes, very clearly and very plainly, sin causes a separation. A separation that many times leaves a gap. It, it causes a barrier with God. Isaiah 59 and 2 says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin causes a barrier with God, but not just that. It also causes a barrier with people. Every relationship can be hindered by sin. Proverbs 15 and 17 says, Better a meal of vegetables where there is love than a friend fattened, I'm sorry, than a fattened calf with hatred. It's, it's, it's very, very clear that you and I must, must work and try hard to work on relationships, to, to uh, desire to have closeness. And how does that happen? The way it happens is for us to get rid of the separation. To, to, to omit the separation, to omit the things. But how, how do we do that? We'll go a little farther, but I want you to understand in what I, the next slide. Forgiveness is not optional. It is a clear command. It's not something you go and you swipe in the app store and say, I don't want that or I don't want that, but I do want this. Or you go and you select it from the shelf and say, you know what, I I want this one and not that one. No, forgiveness is not something that we shop at the store. Forgiveness is something we must have. It's a command from the Lord. Let me just help you understand. If you have something in your heart that you are not able to forgive someone for or something you cannot let go of, I've got some news for you that you will not make it in the end. You say that's a harsh statement. I didn't make the statement. The Bible clearly tells us that we ought to forgive those that have trespassed against us. 
I just I want to just relay the good news to you today. You say, well, that sounds like bad news. No, no, the good news is, is that you have the ability to forgive. You have the ability to tell somebody, although you hurt me, and although you, I, I went through the struggle of the pain of what happened to me, I release you of that thing you did. I release you of it. Forgiven people should forgive people. We must forgive like Jesus did. Colossians 3, 13. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. We must also follow his example. Luke 23 and 34. Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. The Lord in his flesh was crying out to the Spirit in a divine way and saying, although I'm now seeing things through the fleshly eyes, I cannot forsake that very thing I must do above the flesh. I've got to say, Lord, although they're striking me, although they've sped upon me, although they've pierced my side, although they've nailed me to the tree, Lord, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't realize what they're doing. And I'll say the same thing to us today. Many times people don't know what they've done. They don't realize how they've acted. They got caught up in a moment. They respond in a certain way. There was more going on on their side of the phone than what you received on the text on your side. But we oftentimes can draw lines and we act a certain way and that behavior the Bible declares is a sinful act that now draws a separation. And what I've come to stir us up and remember today and believe again is that we ought to freely give. We ought to give. We ought to give forgiveness to those who have come against us. It's not easy, but it's a gift that you need to give today. The third thing I want you to understand is forgiveness uproots bitterness and allows for grace. Forgiveness literally walks out and grabs hold of the moss of that deep root. Sometimes you got to dig around the sides to make sure you can get a hold of it right. Sometimes you got to find some leverage. Sometimes you got to dig the shovel in and you got to push hard. Sometimes you got to cut away of some, some roots. Sometimes you got to do it. But what I'm trying to tell you right now is forgiveness, although it not, may not be easy and although it may be painful, it uproots the bitterness. It uproots the things that create a place where bad things can grow. It uproots something where division can grow. It uproots something that's not of God. It uproots something that's not good and it's not pure that it's not godly and it allows for what it allows for grace why because when you take away that which is not good you make room for that which is good and it allows for you to say you know what you deserve for me to be mad at you you deserve for me to not ever talk to you again but the reality is is that you're my brother or you're my sister and we're going to make it together I know there was a mistake made I know there was a trial made I know there are harsh words that were said. I know what they did to me, but I I desire to do as Jesus did and extend grace to those who have hurt me. Let me just tell you real fast, not forgiving others will destroy you. Proverbs 19 and 3, a man's own folly ruins his life. Yet his heart rages against the Lord. Bitterness Bitterness enslaves us. 
Bitterness puts us in a place where we operate in our own world. We operate through the lens of something. If I, if I, if I had some safety glasses or something, I just, just wish I'd have had something this morning. When you put on the lens of bitterness, you can, you can draw certain things and you see through that lens. You put on something and everything looks skewed and everything looks wrong. And I can't believe all this is done. That's the life and the view of someone that's living in bitterness. But when you look out and you see clearly and at times you can see, you know what, that was not right. But I, 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 I can look beyond. Beyond that, that is someone who's uprooted bitterness in their life. You've lifted it above. You don't see everything as being wrong and, 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 and cutting to you, but you've over now you've overcome that mindset that oftentimes we are trained today to live in. Why? Because today we're trained from a young age. We're trained from a young age to look out for number one. We're trained from a young age now to take care of me, myself, and nothing else. And if they've done you wrong, then you forget about them and walk away. And I don't want to do life by myself. And if everybody gave up on me that I've done wrong, and if I gave up on on everybody that, that has done me wrong, then I would be standing on an island by myself lost. But I've got to extend forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 says, Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate one to another, to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you, as just as Christ forgave you. You will either get better, we've heard this said oftentimes, or you'll get bitter. You're gonna find yourself through it, or you're gonna get better. And I I I, I I'll be honest with you, I've lived this in the last 10 years. I'll be, I'll be, I'm going to be very, very blunt. We talked about Christmas for Christ. We were in northwest Arkansas. We were trying our best to make it all work. We needed an answer, and, and, and we did not get the support we thought we needed, and it crushed us. It absolutely crushed our hearts. We needed that just to help somebody. And at the time, there was a misunderstanding. They didn't fully understand what was going on. And we had to make a decision. We either give up and we say this one wrong now has taken us out and the Lord didn't call us here. Or guess what? We didn't do that. Although it wasn't easy, we got up the next Sunday morning. We walked in the house of the Lord. We didn't have an answer. We didn't know exactly how it was all going to work out. But we preached to those people and God began to do a work. We went on and built out a new building and God blessed us in a mighty way and a few years later we come in and we lost 80 people in one service why a neighboring church had worked on marketing some to our people and they were planting a new church and we come in and half the church is gone and we didn't know what to do I walk out that Sunday and look at the crowd and I thought where's everybody at then I see pictures of them all down the road and I thought what do I do guess what I didn't get bitter I had to make my mind up that I'm going to get better and I got up that Sunday to half the church and I began to preach the name of Jesus I began to see things happen again and then we grew and things took place again and then COVID hit and everybody left again and I had to make up in my mind do I get in front of this camera and do I give up or do I go on a little farther and I had to figure out I can get bitter or I can get better and I got in front of that camera and I preached by myself in a dark room and told people it's going to be okay we're going to work it out God's going to make a way and then I needed God to do something I felt God closing doors I felt God shifting something I didn't know what happened or what was going to happen we looked 
looked here, we looked there, but nothing, nothing was right until the day I called my wife and I said, what are you feeling? We are praying about making a big move. And she said, babe, I'm praying about that city, but this is going to blow your mind. And she was crying. She said, all I can tell you is when I pray, I see Arkadelphia. I think of Arkadelphia. What I am telling you right now, and when you go through bitterness, it restrains you. It keeps you. But when you get better, it gets you back up on the path. And it says, God, where you're leading me, I'm going to follow. And I want to see it through. And you'll make a way. But you cannot get there if you don't forgive. Poor thing I want you to get right now is forgiveness keeps us. It keeps us from vengeance. Vengeance is simply defined as to inflict injury in return for an insult. God alone is judge. Romans 12, 17 says this, Do not repay anyone for evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Verse 19 says, Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. God will set all things right. But when you hold on to something you should let go of, you keep it from God. You hold on to it and you, you, you take God's hands out of the equation. You take God out of the situation. God will set things right. Psalms 98, 7 through 9 says, Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. He has come to make sense of what didn't make sense to you. He wants to kind of right what you see as wrong. He wants to place in what doesn't come together. He wants to figure out how or allow you to see that he desires to level it. He desires to make it all come together. What I'm trying my best to, to, to help you understand is that you hold the key. Is this making sense to anybody today? You hold the key. The key, the key is in your hands. It's forgiveness. It's forgiveness. The fifth thing I want you to gather and understand today is that forgiveness is a choice that you must make. And the question would be how? How, how can I do that? Now, I, want you to, I want you to hear me right now. There's, there's seven magic words that I want you to look at with me. Seven magic words. Can we go there real fast, Emma? I was wrong. Will you forgive me? No, that's not spiritual. Yes, yes it is. It's very spiritual. I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Now, here's, this is not an apology. I'm sorry you took it that way. I'm sorry for how you feel about what I said. You're not apologizing for somebody else. This is, this is me taking responsibilities in my, my own life. I was wrong. 
Will you forgive me? There's people, there's people that I would say that I could call in my life, and I'm being very honest. And I could make a statement to somebody and say, listen, I'm wrong. I, I got a phone call one time seven years later. We had a guy come, actually, when I was here uh, uh, in between our Houston and going to Northwest Arkansas. We had, I'm gonna, we had, a, we had a, I won't call it who it was, but we had a certain choir come in here. A certain guy came that knew my wife, and Tara and I were engaged. While he was here, he knew her, and he said, hey, listen, you don't need to marry him. He tried his best to, she probably should have listened a little bit, but anyways, just joking, just joking, just joking. That was a little too heavy of a joke. Um, Scratch that from the record. <laughs> he made some statements. And I heard about it. I didn't do anything about it. I let it go. I get a phone call randomly seven years later, and here's what I got. Is this Paul Price? I said, yes, it is. He said, hi, this is so-and-so. A few years ago, I did something that I should not have done, and I feel bad for how it made you feel, and I, I, I probably should have acted differently, and I'm calling right now because I... I'm seeking out whomever I've ever done wrong, and I want, I, I would like to find forgiveness because I feel as if I'm being, and he laid it out like he was being held back spiritually for these things, and he tried his best. Let me, let me tell you right now. He tried his best to make it sound really good without ever saying, listen, I was wrong for what I did. Would you forgive me? I told him that day, we were sitting in the airport, I told him that day, hey, listen, it's all good. I forgive you, no big deal. I got the girl in the end. <laughs> I've seen your wife. I got the girl. But <clears throat> the day we were at the we were at Java Primo, and a friend of mine from high school was talking to me, and he's, we, were, we were talking. Tara walks up, and when she walks away, he looked at me. He said, wait, wait, was that your wife? I said, yeah. He said, I thought that was your daughter. And then he said, she looks good. I said, hey, man, I'm right here. Seriously. So this guy, I say, it's fine. It's fine. I got off the phone. I looked at her, and I said, listen, that was very, very weird. I don't really know if that was an apology, but I forgive him for what he did. I forgive him. But here's what I want you to get. The basic, easiest way to do this is I was wrong. Will you forgive me? And then here's the greatest response for restoration in your life. Yes, I forgive you. I couldn't believe you did what you did, but yeah. I can't believe you said what you said, but yeah. I can't believe you did that like that. I can't believe that was the response. I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe, I can't believe. No, it's just simple. It's this right here. Yes, I forgive you because nothing else matters. None of the rest matters. All that matters is that you are now exercising a very godly principle in your life that when wrong is done to you it doesn't take the big conversation sometimes all it takes is for you to say father forgive them or simply this would you forgive me or simply this yes I release you of what was done I release you that's simply me saying yes I forgive you I know this isn't earth shattering today but I felt strongly I feel strongly today we were at a funeral yesterday, and it, it, honestly, it confirmed it. I was resting a little bit with my direction. It confirmed it. I was anxious to get home because I was, as I was at that funeral, my father was there as well, and, and we were honoring Brother Lord Shirley. He's a missionary that has been, his life was given to missions. 
an amazing man. His grandchildren were at our church in Northwest Arkansas helping us. Because of that, we got to know him very, very well. And his daughter got up and she began to speak about his sayings and some things he would talk about. And he had all these nice little quips and quotes that were always these principal statements, great statements to talk about. And at the end, as he was as he was breathing his last breath, he looked at his daughter and he said, babe, I didn't get, I didn't get the big one, but I got a lot of small miracles along the way. And he, had a, he, had a, he had an idea, a concept about life that sometimes it's about the small blessings. It's about the man along the way that gives you the miracles in your life. And sometimes you've got to just know that the Lord has a will and a way. And he said, I, the Lord's made a way. But then as we, as we laid him to rest yesterday, she said one other thing. She looked at, she looked at, or she, she looked at the crowd and she she made the statement that he looked at somebody not long ago when they were dealing with some things and, and a phone call was made and he said simply this, man, just forgive. Just forgive. He didn't have any grand words because sometimes it's not the studied word that you need in a moment. Sometimes it's not the, 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 the great, great, grand presentation of a word. No, sometimes all that's needed in a moment is you just to forgive. I need a lot of things. I need a lot of things, but I need, I need to give the gift of forgiveness. Thomas Benton and Charles Lucas, and I'm coming to a close, were two lawyers in the St. Louis area. And they were rivals. And in one case, as they begin to grow in the area and be more and more well-known back in 18, 15, 16, and 17, history tells that they begin to kind of go back and forth at each other. And, and back then, you had to be careful what you said. Now we, we're loose. But in a statement in that courtroom, Charles Lucas challenged Thomas Benton by saying that he ignored the truth in a trial. And Thomas Benton felt as if who he was was challenged to the greatest depths. And they began a war in the media. They began to write things in the paper about each other. They began to have problems. And then they began to rise up in the, in the, uh, in, in the uh, U.S. Senate. And both of them were now vying for a seat. But in this time, in this time, Charles Lucas looked over at Bennett one time and said something about this man and then made a statement and called him a lonely puppy or something that seemed so small back in those days he was calling him a dog and that was one of the ultimate 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 uh, derogatory statements after that the days of fighting with a with a gun for a duel it was it was no longer okay it was, wasn't the wild west anymore but there's one one island that sets in the mississippi river outside of uh, outside of st louis in between illinois and missouri this island was called Bloody Island because many times people would go out to Bloody Island and crowds would stand on the banks of Illinois and Missouri, but they would watch the two men and their doctors as they'd go out and they would challenge each other to a duel. And they would walk 30 paces. In this instance, they walked 30 paces. And then they were called to fire and they would turn around and draw their weapons and they would shoot. It was August 12th. 1817 was the first duel that they got so worked up. It was six days after the horrible statement that was made. And, and that first draw, that first duel, 
Charles Lucas took a shot to the knee, right, right below the knee he was shot, but the bullet was so weak that it did not even pierce his, his, his pants. He walked away with a tiny bruise. Thomas Benton, forgive me, I got that reverse. That was Charles Lucas, that, that, or Thomas Benton that got shot in the knee. But Charles Lucas got shot in the neck. Just a little bit away from his, from his passage here. And his doctor ran out quickly and began to check on him because of the bleeding. They, they, he called it and said he's no longer able to go forward. And so what do they do? They let him get well and they had something to settle. They had a chance here. Let me just say this. They had a chance to realize maybe there's something we should do. They were so caught up in the media. They were so caught up in the different parties of divide that this crowd was saying Benton's right and that crowd was saying Lucas is right and we should do it this way and that way. And he said this and and he responded this way and the media was making a circus out of these simple statements that were made so much so that these men as they stood there now on September 23rd of 1817, they had to now, because of all the people, they had to fulfill the drama that was put into motion. This time, this time, Thomas Benton turned around and took a shot. Charles Lucas took a fatal shot. Charles Benton lays there. And this is something that is documented a couple places. It's a story of those who were on in, in, in the area that has carried on even on the back of a painting that was found not long ago in St. Louis called the Battle of the Duel of Bloody Island. But here's the statement that has wrecked me since I read it. Charles Lucas looked up at those that were carrying him off as he was sick. And Thomas Benton, who was now injured worse in this duel, didn't know if he would live. He had days to recover. As Charles Lucas looked over and saw Benton being carried off as well, both of them on a stretcher knowing that life was ending shortly he looked up at those who were carrying him and said I perceive it would have been easier to forgive it would have been easier just to say I forgive you for what you said forgive you for what you did forgive you for what it did to me On this Sunday morning, it's a little bit different than what we've been having. But before we walk into the season where we celebrate family and loved ones, more than that, we celebrate the gift of a Savior that came down in swaddling clothes. What I want to do together with you is I want to ask the Lord for help in exercising, giving grace to those who have wronged us, and seeking forgiveness and also granting forgiveness in any area we need it. It's because of this season and because of the arrival of that baby that we now can understand that there is hope for you and I to simply ask for it and it be granted. There's hope for you and I to simply speak it and it be done. To simply ask it and it to be all of a sudden right in our lives. I'm asking right now, would you stand to your feet? And would you take a moment with me? And I'm going to open these altars in just a moment. I'm excited again today. We get the chance to baptize somebody in a few moments. 
But I'm going to ask you today, would you begin to just reach out to the Lord and you're welcome to come. To say, Lord, I'm praying, give me strength and give me help, Lord. Help me, Lord, to go to a place where I seek you out. But help me to go to a place where I tear out anything that is not of, not of you. Anything that's not right, God. And I seek out, Lord, those who maybe have wronged me or those who I've wronged. And I ask or I grant and say, God, help me right now. Help me right now to forgive those that need forgiveness, Lord. Let this be a gift that I give. I forgive you. I don't want to be locked up by bitterness. I don't want to be held in by by, by vengeance. No, Lord, I want to walk with you. And I want all that you have for me. I'm asking today, every eye closed just for a moment. I know some have come right now. I'm going to ask you this morning if you feel so bold right now in the Spirit. It's not saying you've done anything wrong, but maybe you're challenged today. Would you step out from where you are for a moment? Would you step out right now and gather with us and declare to the Lord, Lord, I need your help. I need your help, God. I pray for strength. I pray for the right mind. I pray for clarity, God. I pray for understanding, Lord. I'm praying, God, help me and lead me, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, I ask. Holy Spirit, pray. Yes, God.